Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love. My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our Digital Marketing Academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight-to-the-point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. Do you love the idea of being your own boss? What about saving money on childcare because you can actually work flexibly around your family? My Bump to Baby is rapidly expanding and we are looking for people to run their own pregnancy to preschool hubs in their local area. Full training is provided, ongoing mentor support, fantastic regular team incentives, a bonus scheme, uncapped commission, review products for free and review days out too. If you are interested in being the My Bump to Baby Manager for your local area, email us business at mybumptobaby.com. Limited space available. Hello and welcome to My Bump to Baby Expert Podcast, where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Today we are talking about how child custody works when separating and we invite on one of our family lawyers, Simon Walker from Mojas Druitt. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everybody and welcome to My Bumped Baby Expert Podcast. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Simon Walker, a family lawyer for Mojas Druitt. Hi Simon, how are you? 
I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. Um, we're looking forward to speaking to you on, the, on this particular subject, which is how does child custody work when separating? Can you introduce yourself, Simon, if you don't mind? Yeah, of course. I'm um, a family lawyer with Merges Drew, as has previously been said. Um, I have now been qualified for 17 years. Um, this is my second career, not my first. I love working in the uh, in the area of family law, but my my specialty is dealing with issues around children. So I concentrate very much on sorting out disputes between parents um, as to the future arrangements for their children. I also deal with surrogacy matters, um, and I and I deal with sometimes international child abduction. So it covers a multitude of, of different aspects. Um, the one thing that I don't do is I don't do care work, which is where the state become involved in the care of children. Excellent, excellent. So today, Simon, what we've got you on for is we're going to be talking about how child custody works when parents are separating, which is something that I know a lot of parents struggle with. And it it's, um, can be a bit of a scary time um, because it's venturing into the unknown, isn't it? Uh, definitely. I think most of my clients are full of fear in relation to their relationship with their child, both at the present at that time and going forward into the future i think the first thing to get right is the terminology uh people talk about custody and and, and those th those terminologies are, are considered quite old-fashioned now we talk about contact and we talk about residence um, but even those terms have become quite emotive and what the court is trying to do is change the language so that there is much more of a balance between both parents. So it talks much more about shared care now, and it talks much more with the language of the child spends time with. So that neither parent is provided with a, an elevated platform. Right, that, that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of things have changed over the last few years. So if parents have made that decision to separate, um, a question on a lot of parents' mind is, who will my child live with if we separate? Now, what, what is your, your answer to that question? The court takes the position that parents need to really work together and sort it out for themselves. It is their child and it is their responsibility. They, the court accepts that parents obviously get a little bit stuck in those discussions, but effectively the, the, the main principle of the Children's Act is the no order principle, and the court has to consider that in the first instance. So, but in terms of where, we, where the child will live with, those parents need to actually sit down and think about what is in the best interest of the child because that's the primary concern of the court if they're unable to agree on that um, then parents need to consider entering into mediation you can't make an application to the court unless you've explored mediation and mediation has then failed the mediator will explain to the parties about the various options that are available to them uh, and try and help them reach a compromise. The difficulty that parents have 
and mediators have is they can't advise. So I always think if parents are going to go into mediation, they all should take legal advice first because to go into a room and try and talk and negotiate it's very difficult if you don't understand the parameters that you're operating in. I also think parents need to understand that they have parental responsibility. That means that they have all rights, powers and duties over their children. And they share that with the other parent. And that is about negotiating and working out, but not what's in their best interest, what's in their child's best interest. And I think most parents lose sight in that. And they, they really need to understand that the courts will not be, not be too concerned about them as individuals. They will only really be concerned about the child. That makes sense. That makes sense. The child, of course, comes first in all of that. So, so what would you do if, I, I'm sure you get a lot of this, um, Simon, but what would you do if a child's partner doesn't let them have access to their own child? I mean, is there anything that can be done with that? I think my main concern when dealing with whether contact has ceased is speed and the speed of action. I think you have to understand that a child's life as a child is very limited and your, your lack of involvement in that child creates a status quo for that child very quickly. So what you need to do is you need to try and contact the other parent and try and establish contact as quickly as possible. Whilst doing that, I would also make the referral to mediation because as I previously said, you cannot access the court without having a document from a mediator saying that mediation has failed. If the, other, the parent who's got the child won't talk to you via email, won't attend mediation, I would then issue the application before the court. The court has now set a presumption that every parent has to have contact with their child. If one parent is refusing contact, then they have to have good reasons to do so. That could be that the other parent is causing emotional, physical or sexual harm to that child, but they have to justify that. And there has to be an exploration by the court as to why that contact is being refused. Even in the most extreme cases where there has been bad behaviour um, by one parent, you, you, can, you can limit the contact, but it is a very rare case where there no contact will be granted. The court is, feels it's the child's right to have a relationship with the other parent, and it will put in place uh, provisions that will enable that to happen provided it is safe for the child so my going back to the, the the crux of your question is if contact is stopped act quickly contact the other parent via email so you've got written uh, evidence of that and then make the referral to mediation if in a short period of time there is no contact make your application to the court Okay, that's great. That's that's a very um, detailed answer. So thank you so much for that. So you may have already kind of covered this question, but how often are parents allowed to see the child? I'm guessing is that between both parents to sort out? I mean, I don't like that phrase allowed, but is that is that for them to sort out between themselves, basically, as what's convenient? 
I think it is about what's convenient and what works for them as a couple following separation. You know, people have commitments in relation to work and, and other, their new relationships, etc. But I think in terms of that, there is a general principle that we who work in this area go with. And that is if you've got a small child, little and often is appropriate. The older the child becomes, the longer periods of time, and maybe the less frequent. We have to think about the child again, and I, I'm trying to place the child back into the centre of this discussion, is what suits this child. Now, if you have a baby, the baby needs to bond with you as the absent parent and needs to build a relationship with you. If, you, if you're seeing that child once a week on a Saturday for three hours, you, you, your relationship doesn't have that ability to develop. I would be suggesting to a parent of a very small child that you need to have contact three or four times a week for maybe an hour at, at a time. Uh, if you've got a child who is six or seven, again, you need quite a lot of frequency, but the duration doesn't need to be that massive. And then when you get to teenage children, we change again. They're much more able to pick up those relationships again and spend longer periods of time and, and not have anxiety about being absent from the other parent. We are dealing with a growing person and they're changing all the time. And as parents, we need to change what our expectations are about how our relationship works with them. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like what, um, what works two years ago is probably going to change as time goes on. There is also a bulk standard sort of contact regime, which was uh, that parents should have contact every other weekend or the absent parents should have contact every other weekend and one day during the week. And that was very much a sort of set of uh, parameters that developed um, back in the 90s. We are now living in a society where both parents work full time. And those, those contact regimes do not fit in around for the child or for the parents. And because parents have shared the care of their children as their children have grown up in the initial stages of their relationship, they, they then want to share the care afterwards. So we are getting a much more shared care arrangements that are coming through. Uh, and that's, that's an interesting point in terms of how families have changed over the last 20 years. Yes, definitely. I mean, with my husband, we co-parent. It's very much, I mean, we, li we live together, but it's very much equal. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think a lot of friends that have actually uh, split up with partners as well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those are, are in similar situations as well, where one parent has the child half the week and the other parent has the child half the week and they've worked it like that. Um, in regards to paying for the child, if you are shared custody, then does that mean that each parent would then just cover their own time with that child how would that work do you know all maintenance for children is now dealt with by way of a statutory body called the child maintenance service mm -hmm. and they have a, a website that you can go on to and you can work out calculations about who needs to pay who the week is seven days and quite often splitting time is quite 
problematic uh, or splitting that week is problematic for parents so usually a child will predominantly be in one parent's care over the other mm. and uh, my suggestion is that if you are trying to look at whether maintenance applies to you you should use the statutory website and it will walk you through the various stages of what it looks at I think to try and explain it uh, over over a podcast is a little bit more complex. But the, 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 the government website is very easy to use. It gives very clear indication as to what maintenance needs or doesn't need to be paid. If parents do use the child maintenance service, though, there is a charge for it. So whilst I would recommend you use it to work out the calculation because statute applies to everyone i would encourage parents to do their calculations but make their deal outside of that remit excellent now that's really really um good advice though it just came to mind then when i thought about how parents are nowadays it's um yeah that's that's great so so how can parents um finally ensure that the child custody rights aren't overridden then i think enforcement of children uh contact arrangements i'm sorry i have to keep on changing your language um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine it's it, it is a something that we we have to deal with quite a lot but in terms of that um we look the the court has teeth and it will it will take this presumption that the absent parent needs to have contact now if a parent continues to fail to provide contact the court has a multitude of powers it's contempt of court it can fine the parent it can order the parent to do community service um it it, it can even imprison the parent i think if these if these situations become too extreme then the child that usually the parent who has the child starts chipping away at the child and starts altering their mind in terms of whether they like the other parent. And that's called parental alienation. And parental alienation is a very, it's a, it's a clinical diagnosable situation. Uh, and I think people who come and see me say, oh, I've been alienated from my child. Um, and it's not strictly true. They, you need to have someone who looks at it in the round as to whether that, that has occurred. But in those extreme situations, I have been involved in cases where residence has been changed. So the child is removed from the, 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 the parent that was having primary care and placed in the care of the other parent. So parents who are stopping contact and with, with no justification need to think very carefully about the end result that that could bring. Excellent. That's that's really interesting. Um, Simon, can you tell us then a bit more about um, finally what you do, where people can find you, and the different things that you cover as well? I I class myself as a family lawyer, but um, the definition of family in in my short practice has has changed dramatically. So I deal with mainly I deal with relationships how those relationships interact with each other and how they 
take control of their finances and their children. And I fit in the legal framework around that, whether that's people who are coming together for prenup agreements, whether they're cohabiting, uh, they want cohabitation agreements. I deal with surrogacy, so people who are unable to have children and go abroad and have someone who carries a child for them um, and the orders that they need when they come back. Wow. I deal with all manners of international child arrangements, um, whether children have been snatched and taken to another child and then trying to get them back to the UK. And then I deal with the, the, the normal stuff of divorce and financial separation as well. So our, our remit is, is very wide. And I think it's about relationships from the cradle to the grave, basically, yeah. and, and how they fit together. So as a family lawyer, we, we, we do cover a, a very wide area. And families are not mum, dad, and two children. They are wife and wife, husband and husband. You know, and th- that also features their civil partnerships and how they, how the law fits around them and how they work and civil marriages. It, it's, it's, it's very wide. But I think yeah. mainly the, the overall umbrella is interpersonal relationships. That makes sense. And and whereabouts are you based then, please, Simon, for our audience? So I'm based in both the Sherbourne and the Bath office. I split my time between both because I live in Bath. Uh, but I, and I, I suppose my area covers North Dorset, West Wiltshire and, and the whole of Somerset. Excellent. Excellent. And Simon, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really interesting finding out all about, well, what parents do when separating. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to My Bump to Babies Expert Podcast. If you would like to find help and support from experts in your local area, head over to www mybumptobaby.com and you will also be able to find local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes, businesses and services in your local area. Wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.